0: Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question how can American Christians live as Christ? In an increasingly hostile culture, the way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast.
1: Well, hello, Harder Way people. I'm still Scott.
0: And I'm still Maddie. And welcome back to the Harder Way Podcast. We are here today and we are going to be talking about a biblical account that really shows us how we can live the harder way in even the most dire of circumstances. Oh, really? Yes, we are going to be talking about the tale of three young boys, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or oh, as you may know them...
1: Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or... Rack, Jack, Jack, and, and Benny. Benny,
0: for the VeggieTales generation. But yes, we are going to be talking about uh, the account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and how this is an incredible example of of living the harder way. And some of the, I think we're going to go through and really look at some of the principles that we can take from this story uh, for our lives today, even here in the United States. Yeah, and
1: we'll throw in some some nerdy did-you-knows.
0: Yeah, because that we we tend to do that a lot on this show because yeah. we just, you know. N- we're nerds. Yeah, we, we nerd out about uh, theology and the Bible. So just to kind of give a brief overview of the story before we dive deep into it. So these three Hebrew boys, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, uh, they were taken from their homes uh, into captivity by the Babylonians uh, when ba- when the Babylonians uh, took siege uh, over Jerusalem and, and Israel. So they were taken into captivity. And at this time, uh, they what they would do in the captivities is they would go and take um, young guys who were supposed to be Really smart, very capable, and then they would train them to serve the Babylonian Empire, right? basically. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, their names were changed to that because Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were Hebrew names that honored Yahweh. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were their Babylonian names that were given to them to honor the Babylonian deities. But they ended up uh, being placed in positions of authority. Uh, they were in the the higher up of the, the Babylonian court at that time and were advisors to the king, Nebuchadnezzar. But uh, not long after they had been there, Nebuchadnezzar uh, commissioned for a large golden image to be built. Mm-hmm. A large golden image to be built, and he commanded that everyone worship it.
1: Right, and this is—I was like nine, ninety feet tall.
0: Ninety feet tall. So this is—they were not talking about a little, a little golden statue. We're talking about a huge golden. statue It was a statue. big
1: golden statue. Yeah,
0: how many? I don't know how many, uh, how many stories that would be, but.
1: Yeah, you know, just as an aside, right now, I think it's important to note that the, the the people that were bowing down and worshiping the statue, they didn't think the statue was a god, and they they didn't think that they were actually worshiping just a piece of gold, plate, a gold-plated stack of bricks or whatever it was. They've, for them, it was a representation of a divine being in the spiritual realm.
0: Right. Yeah. Not that they thought that the the actual piece of metal was a god. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so what Nebuchadnezzar basically set up was that uh, when the this certain music would play, everyone was commanded at that time to bow down and worship this golden image that he had made. And at some point, a group of Chaldeans came forward and uh, spoke to Nebuchadnezzar and said, hey, uh, the Jews are not bowing down and worshiping this golden image.
1: Rascally Jews.
0: They're not, they're not bowing down and worshiping this golden image. Uh, and especially your three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're supposed to be part of your team and they're not worshiping. And this is kind of a bad reflection on you. And so Nebuchadnezzar gets really angry about this. He calls in the three Hebrew boys uh, as for some reason they tend to be referred to as the three Hebrew boys. He calls in the three Hebrew boys and he says, uh, hey, I've heard you're not worshiping this golden idol and you're going to need to do that because if you don't, I'm going to kill you. You're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. It's not going to be good for you. So how about you just worship it?
1: And that is. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go
0: and uh, at that point, we know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, sorry, we're not going to do that. Uh, we refuse. And that when the music played again, they still uh, did not worship. And they told, they told Nebuchadnezzar, they said, we know that God can deliver us, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to do it because we're showing that we don't serve your gods. They're thrown into the fiery furnace. And the fiery furnace, interestingly enough, um, it was so hot Because Nebuchadnezzar was so angry that he had it set up to seven times its normal heat. Right. Um, It was so hot that two of the guards who were escorting Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace, they themselves were killed uh, from the heat. Right. So that shows you how hot this was. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go into the fiery furnace and uh, they're not burned. And as people are looking in, they see a fourth figure in the fire with them. Right, a fourth figure in the fire with them, uh, and people are like, "Why aren't why aren't they burning? Who is this other guy? What is going on?" They turn the furnace off. They walk out. There's no smoke on them. There's nothing singed on them. They are walking out completely untouched unharmed at this point this serves as a testimony to the true god and nebuchadnezzar says okay anybody who says anything bad about this god who has clearly done a miracle now you guys are going to be the ones who are in big trouble not the ones who aren't worshiping the idol so that's the very very quick readers digest version of the story we're going to dive into different aspects of it but just for those that may not have been super familiar we wanted to get that kind of off the bat
1: Right Well, that was a great, that was a great synopsis. You know, um, I really think this is a tremendous picture of the harder way uh, and how to live the harder way. because the first thing is, these guys have already suffered a great injustice. They've been they've been taken from their homeland. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been forced to live in a foreign land. They've been forced to to communicate and speak in a foreign language. They're constantly exposed to these foreign gods. They've probably been made into eunuchs. Um, I mean, it's it's been. Yeah, a, no one ever talks about that. Yeah, it's not it's not been fun, and it's not been even though they get to eat great food and despite Daniel's diet, <laughs> yeah, um, and they get to you know live in in, in probably relative luxury. Uh, they get they, they get to learn a lot and be exposed to a lot of interesting, exciting things. They don't have to labor. You know, there are positives that you could point out, but ultimately, a, a slave is a slave, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that they weren't free. And they were taken from their homeland. They weren't able to worship Yahweh freely, and they were they were in this king's court.
0: Yes, and so they were really supposed to be at at his beck and call at the at at the really kind of living to serve King Nebuchadnezzar. That was what they were supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, I think we should point out that on the things that were not matters of worship. They were happy to go along to get along. That they were like, okay, yeah, like we'll just make the best of the situation. God's allowed us to be in this situation. We'll do what we got to do. Right. But the second that it goes from matters of culture, matters of preference, matters of their rights being taken away, the second that it goes from that to now you have to worship false gods.
1: They formed a protest. They tried to lobby the government. (laughs) No, why are you laughing? No, that is not what they
0: did at all. What did they They do? They simply said, "We cannot comply. We cannot compromise our worship of the one true God."
1: So, and that can be governments, and speaking more in a modern context, governments can label that. They can say, "Oh, you're you." They can put you in some wicked category that you really aren't a part of. Um, When you say, we can't comply, but that's really where our resistance, our protest, that's the extent of where Christians are to fight. Because we talk about the three temptations, fight, 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 flee, flee compromise. compromise. And we don't want, our fight can never be anything, it can't be proactive. It has to be to stand on Christ. It has to be to stand in Christ. It has to be to just say, I can't comply. Mm-hmm. or or to say i must continue like if if they said you can't evangelize to a new testament christian
0: right well, and you I say well i have to faith. keep doing that
1: i can't you can't gather together well that's part of that's what we do mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we could view ourselves as one body and the body has to be come together and,
0: and scripture tells us we we're supposed to meet together so we can't, we can't stop doing stop that stop doing that so i think it's important that just pointing that out though that the only time that they were saying we can't go along with this is when it was uh for the lord's sake mm-hmm. not for their own sake because right. i'm sure that there were plenty of things going on that they did not want to do that right. you know were um violating toward them that they said you know just we'll 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 do it whatever you're the one who's in charge but when it came to matters of spirituality they said no we can't comply and I think it's also difficult sometimes for us to conceptualize when we think about worshiping idols because to us, it's very easy to say, oh yeah, if, if someone told me I had to bow down and worship a false god, I would never do that. Here's, here's the part that you're not going to want to hear, you're already doing it.
1: Okay, now we're go- here. We go. Now we're, now we're going from <laughs> preaching to meddling. Here we go.
0: You're you're already bowing down and worship and worshiping false gods. I can almost guarantee it because all of us are guilty of that in some way or another. Because no, I, I can pretty much guarantee that none of you are actually bowing down to a golden statue, but many of you are probably bowing down to the idol of security. Many of you are probably bowing down to the idol of being well-liked. Many of you are probably bowing down to the idol of reputation, to the idol of safety, to the idol of uh, being viewed as a good person, bowing down to the, to the idol of, uh, of wanting to just go along to get along.
1: Well, I actually know the names of the five, the five idols of this age. Okay.
0: Personal uh, names like the, Jim, the, Sally, the descriptions
1: come close, close, look right.
0: Mhm. Act right. Mhm.
1: Feel right. Mhm. Make God do what I want.
0: <laughs> yeah. Be safe. Mm.
1: Those are the those are really the idols of this age and um, we do it surprisingly consistently. Uh, in our, in our, we we bow down to them, and that's. But really, the idol in the time of uh, of, of the story that we're sharing of this historical account is, um, it's a physical uh, object created by men. Now, remember, the people who took this worship of this idol seriously, they knew it was a physical object created by men. They weren't surprised by that. It had a one-to-one correlation in their minds to a spiritual being. And so they weren't, their view was that the, that the physical world was a shadow of the spiritual world. And so whatever they did to something in the physical world that was representative of the, of the, of the spiritual world, then it was the same as doing it to that thing in the spiritual world. So there's a little statue there and you put oranges at the statue, like we see in some of the Chinese restaurants. Well, you're, you're feeding that person in the spiritual world. Or you want to give them money so they have some pocket change in the spiritual world, so you burn up the money. I mean, that's that's you're translated into the spiritual world. So it wasn't like these people thought this thing was actually something. They just knew it represented something. And that's why the three Hebrew boys couldn't worship it, because it, if it was just a golden stick, you could say, oh, I could play along. Sure, I could pretend, but it's more than that. To the people there, it represents something much, much more, and there's just no way you can play along.
0: And I think that's why the reaction from uh, the king, one of the reasons, is so severe, is because by not bowing down to this golden image, that act against the golden image was seen as a direct act against their gods. Right. So yeah. it was a it was a very serious thing, and it was also very serious disobedience against the king was huge because the king was seen as a physical manifestation of kind of the main gods of that time, the main Mm -hmm. god at that time. Um, You know, you see this in in most of the, you know, whether it's Egyptian, Babylonian, they all kind of had this same idea that the king was a representative or a manifestation of the primary god. And so to disobey the king... You were basically disobeying who they believed to be God's mouthpiece.
1: Yeah, and God's at that in that worldview. It's interesting that some of that slips into some of this slips into Christianity that I'm about to describe. Um, you you had to do things for the gods. So human, the human beings, our role was in their in their worldview. Our role was to serve the gods and to keep them happy. Uh, and the gods were kind of capricious, so they would you know they might do good things to you if you kept them happy, but they might not so you had to wake the gods up, you had to put them to bed, you had to feed the gods, you had to sacrifice to the gods you had to you had to please them, you had to remind them of their duties i mean the whole the whole like temple prostitution system, it really comes down to reminding the god of their responsibility to be fruitful and to pr- and to bring bring crops the harvest in and, all, and to yeah. bring rain and stuff. That's all. That's how they justify or, or or rationalize all of that. So, so this is a huge part of their whole life. And so when these three guys say, "Hey, we can't, we can't play along, we can't do this, uh, because our god is real." Mm -hmm. and we just can't do this. They're disrupting like the whole system. And for for this king, it's more than just, hey, yo, man, you're disrespecting me. It's like you could bring plagues. You could bring death. You could bring destruction. You could really mess us up by not going along with this. I think that's where Nebuchadnezzar's rage is coming from. He's like, you don't have any idea. You don't
0: understand what you're doing.
1: And I think it's also interesting to note that yeah, I just gave some descriptions of the gods of that era um, That when, Shadrach, when Hanani and Mishael and Azariah When they say, hey listen, we can't We just can't do it And um, our God will deliver us But if he doesn't, we're going to worship him trust him anyway That rocks their whole world view that really shakes up everything because it's like, who is this God that doesn't have to be pleased? Who is this God that doesn't yeah. have to have, you don't have to like make him not, or that you can count on that, you know, I know what God's going to do. He's going to, he's going to deliver me one way or another. He's not, I I don't have to, I don't have to wonder about it. It's a very different view.
0: Yeah. It's a very different view.
1: So they choose the harder way, though. The easy way would have been, I ah, will just go along to get along. We'll bow down when they play the music. We'll have a little, you know, I'll just pray. I'll pray to God in my heart. Uh, I'll pray to Yahweh in my heart while I'm bowing down in front of that statue. That'd be the yeah. easier, easy way, wouldn't it?
0: It would be the easier way. And I think that's kind of what we see a lot in our society is a lot of people doing things that are unchristian and being like, well, I'm just doing them Christianly, so it's fine. I'm just kind. I'm I'm thinking about God while I'm doing it, so we're good. Like you know, that's kind of a dangerous place to be, but we see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they do tell Nebuchadnezzar, "We know that God is going to deliver us because we know that God's going to deliver us. But even if He doesn't, we're not going to serve your gods. Let it be shown that we will not worship the golden image which you have set up." And this is huge. Because they're saying that they're going to trust God anyway. That this is really kind of a statement to God's sovereignty. That they understand that God is the one who is in control and he's the one who's going to decide uh, if it's in his will to deliver them physically in that situation or not. And that that doesn't make him any less God. That doesn't make him any less good. And I think that's a concept that believers from the beginning and even still to this day struggle with conceptualizing. Yeah. That it's really hard to understand that just because God does not take you out of a particular situation, just because God does not heal you from a particular thing in that moment when you want him to, that that does not make him any less good and it doesn't make him any less God.
1: Right. Uh, I think a lot of... You know, mythical worldview, ancient kind of God worship has has kind of seeped into Christianity uh, and mm. with these ideas that if I pray the right prayer, if I say the right magic phrase, if I read the right scripture out loud, if I if I remind God of his promises, right? If I do that, then he's going to do what I want. Yeah. And, and, that's uh, witchcraft. That's witchcraft. That's not Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, God is not for you. To control God is beyond us, and is for us to worship and have a relationship with, and to serve. We are His stewards in this world. We are not the owners
0: mm-hmm. of
1: anything, and so I feel like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, I feel like they had an idea, an understanding of themselves as stewards. We're not. We're not in control. We're not the bosses. But we know what we can and can't do, and we're not going to do this. We just. We can't do it. So they didn't fight, no. they didn't flee, No. and they didn't compromise. Mm-mm. And and they heated that fiery furnace up. The picture it looks kind of like a beehive. They actually have some of those up about 30 minutes north of us. Uh, on the side of the road, you'll, every couple of miles, there'll be furnaces, kilns, where they used to make, I guess they made bricks there. Um, and they look like giant beehives. Uh, they still using that same technology 2,000 years later. And... Um they heated that things up seven times its normal heat and you know, even the guards died just trying to get the guys in there.
0: hmm That's and, how that's how hot it was.
1: And so you imagine what it must have been like to be those three guys and they're like, Well, we didn't we didn't uh we didn't bow down, we didn't worship, and then now they're going towards the furnace and they're like, Okay, God, any minute now. All right, Lord, he's gonna get us down. <laughs> okay. And then you see the guys that are putting you in there dying. So that means if the guys that were going to put them in died, either they pushed them in and then they pushed the Hebrew boys in, then they died. Or they died and the boys had to finish walking into the, furnished themselves
0: Mm -hmm. i don't know which yeah we don't but the bible doesn't tell us how exactly but either way
1: i imagine they were like what is happening and then they see somebody how did how does the bible describe the person that's in the furnace with
0: them well when nebuchadnezzar sees a fourth person he actually describes this fourth person as having a form like the son of god
1: and so we we don't know for sure was this an angel or was this a christophany like a pre-incarnate Christ. But I think there's a really and pre incarnate means before he came in the flesh, you know, in the manger in Bethlehem mm-hmm. and all that. Um I think that the thing that's really important for us to recognize here is that when we don't fight, we don't flee, we don't compromise, but we walk by faith, we trust in the Lord. That God is going to show up in ways we may not have expected, because I really doubt that these guys had any idea that they were going to wind up in this crazy hot kiln,
0: Mm -mm. and
1: then Jesus is going to show up and hang out with them. Right. And then they're going to come out the other side not even smelling like smoke. I don't think that was what they were thinking of when they said, our God can deliver us.
0: Right, I mean, I would assume they were probably thinking that it would mean that Nebuchadnezzar would change his... that God would move on Nebuchadnezzar's heart and have him change his mind or... or maybe the statue or the, falls yeah, over... Yeah, something like that or the, you know, the, the furnace burns out, like they can't... Oh, they can't, they can't well, can't that would have been furn- cool. The furnace just stops, stops being on fire.
1: Right, right. And so I think we can learn from that that when we choose the harder way, when we walk by faith, when we say, okay, I don't know... But God knows because that's, what they, that's where they wound up, right? Mm-hmm. They really were saying to Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to trust God. We can't do what you're asking us to do. What's going to happen? We don't know, but God knows. But either right. way, we're, but no matter what happens, we're going to walk by faith. We're going to trust God. That is like the quintessential harder way. And if we can choose that, we can know with confidence that we may live, we may die, we may mm-hmm. suffer, we may not but we can know that for the confidence that the lord will be with us and that his will will be done. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't always promise to walk to deliver us from the fires. Sometimes he walks with us through the fires. He doesn't always deliver us from the flood. Sometimes he keeps on our feet on solid ground in the midst of the floods. Sometimes mm-hmm. he parts the sea and sometimes he has us swim through it, right? Yeah. And but he's always with us. So we I think we have to stop trying to micromanage God.
0: Yeah, sometimes we get so busy trying to tell God exactly how he should do things that we forget that he's God, that his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts, uh, that he, being outside of time, being infinite, being all knowing, being all powerful, that we can't even conceive of what it would be like to be aware of all of the possibilities that God's aware of.
1: No, we, yeah.
0: We can't, you can't. Even just saying it that way, you you there's not even a way to to, to conceptualize it at all. That's yeah. how big that difference is. But yet we still come to God and we're like, you know, I think you should do it like this. I've got a plan. Have you ever considered this, this, and this? You know, I know a better way. Yeah, and that's a dangerous place to be. Telling the you know the God of the universe, hey. I know that you say one thing, but maybe we should just do it the other way. If you
1: want to see how we seem to God, it's kind of like when you're watching a bunch of little kids play the game play a game and there's that one kid who always like, I'm going mean, to make the rules and they make the rules and they set the rules up in such a way that they always win. <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like the, the kid who's like really short being like, yeah, and you get 20 extra points for every inch shorter that you are than exactly, the other kids. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wait well, in a second. <laughs> and, that's, and
1: that's really kind of the point of what we're saying is that, or, or not the point, but a, 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 a conclusion to what we're saying is that we already know who wins. God wins, therefore we win. So the game is structured in such a way that we will win. And we have to stop trying to change the rules. Yeah. And we have to trust God.
0: We do. We have to trust God and we have to be able to say in those crazy situations, when we're asked to bow down to the idols of this age, to the idols of this world, to say, no, I can't do that. I'm not trying to cause a problem. I'm not trying to start a rebellion. But I cannot and will not worship what you want me to worship. I'm not gonna worship the idols of being of thinking right, acting right, looking right, feeling right. I, I'm not I'm not Safety, gonna do it. Safety, security, security, any of those things. That the only God that I worship is the one true God. And then I, I I can't bow before anything else that when we're told "Uh, you're going to do that or you're going to face X, Y, Z consequences, you know, even up to, to death and martyrdom mm-hmm. saying I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to compromise. And maybe you are going to kill me. Maybe you are going to give me these uh, crazy consequences. But if you do, it's only because God is allowing that to happen.
1: So two thoughts I want to I want to wrap up with. First thought is we will all compromise if we uh if we have don't prepare at all.
0: Absolutely. And we still might
1: even if we do prepare. Yeah. But we'll recover more quickly. Mm-hmm. So how do we prepare? We prepare by choosing the harder way. And what is the harder way? It's the way of faith. And so we're always looking for ways to conquer our fears by overcoming faith. Fear of what? Fear of loss. Of loss. Right? And so how do we know when we've discovered the harder way in any given situation? It's when we come up with the response.
0: I don't know, but the Lord knows. Just
1: like Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I don't know how we're going to get out of this, but God knows. And that's how you know they had chosen the way of faith.
0: Which is the harder way. And
1: so we benefit from knowing this story from the Bible and being able to see uh, and apply, uh, understand it and apply it to our lives. That's why we teach the Bible. And that's why we'd get the Bible to the persecuted church.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we encourage all of you uh, after listening to this episode to go and read the biblical account for yourself. You can find it in uh, Daniel chapter three, verses eight through 30, because we were just talking about the story, sharing the story with you, sharing some of those principles and applications uh, and really kind of showing that, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were living the harder way, talking about what we can learn from them. But so much more important than what we're saying about it is what the Bible actually says. Yeah, the
1: words of life.
0: Because that's what we're doing is trying to direct you back toward the scripture that hopefully by hearing this and being encouraged by this podcast, that you will go after listening to this, head over to Daniel chapter three, read this for yourself, see how the Lord speaks to you through this pack, through this passage and see how uh, you and your spirit are transformed by engaging with God's word for yourself.
1: And if you disagree with our interpretation, it is your right to be wrong. (laughs) No, no, no. no. (laughs) Those are two two things though. Um, Number one, uh, thank God. Pr- lift up a prayer of thanksgiving that you have access to a Bible. If you're listening to this, number two, um, pray for those who don't, mm. and 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 uh, and and in doing that, also pray for those of us who are taking Bibles to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, listen. God bless you guys. We are glad you spent some time with us this week, and we'll see you again next week.
0: See you next time. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.